Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about finding purpose in our pain. I'm honored to welcome special guest, Hope Rieger. Hope has endured the worst pain any parent can experience when her son, Justin, was brutally murdered four years ago. She knows that she was given this pain for a purpose, and that is to provide positivity, support, and hope for others going through their grief journey. She has created a virtual grief peer support group called Grief to Hope. It's a seven-week program that meets once a week through Zoom. Her next session begins on September 9th, 2021, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Hope. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I love your smile. Thank you for having a smile. And for those who can't see it, I hope that you know that this beautiful woman has a smile on her face and it brings me joy. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. I, I, I find myself always using it. <laughs> you know, it's a good thing to use. Um, I am so sorry for your loss. There aren't really words to express. Would you be willing to share your story? Absolutely. I'm an open book, so ask away any questions. But my story starts a little bit over four years ago. Gosh, it's almost five years ago. Um, in November of 2016, um, I received a knock at the door, and it was early in the morning. It was 6.30 in the morning, and I lived in a condo at the time. And um, I looked out, you know, as you would at 6.30 in the morning, seeing who's knocking at your door. And I looked down, and I saw two police officers standing there. And I thought to myself, Okay, I have two boys, right? They're grown. And I was thinking, wow, what have they done, right? And um, just thinking that they've got into some kind of mischievous thing that, that kids do. And um, they were older at the time. But I went downstairs, opened the door, and the policeman said, are you Justin's mom? And I thought to myself, yeah. And then I thought, well, if any of the kids, it would have been him, right? So... Um, they just asked me, they handed me a piece of paper and said, we need you to call this number. And I said, well, do you know what it's about? And they just simply said, no, we don't know what it's about, but they've been trying to get a hold of you. And um, at the time I lived in, I moved from my hometown, which is about two hours away to Columbus in Ohio. Um, and so I thought to myself, that's really unusual. But the number I recognized, the area code was my hometown. And so I dialed, I went upstairs, I, I thanked them, I went upstairs, and I sat on my bed, and I thought, gosh, if it was something horrible, they would have told me, right? It was the police. And um, so I dialed the number, and when the person on the other line answered, said, Green County Corner. Oh. And, yeah, and at the time, I was like, either I had the wrong number, or, you know, they had the wrong person. I didn't know exactly where he was going with this. And I said, um, yeah, I just received a knock on the door and, and Columbus police. And he asked me if I was Justin's mother. And I said, yes. And he said, I regret to inform you that Justin was murdered last night um, by one of his roommates. <gasps> and, and I said to myself, what? Right? Like, what are you talking about? You've got the wrong Justin. I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, um, Justin and Justin was living with friends and the, he was 19 at the time. And 
they had gotten into a physical altercation. I don't know what, I don't, and I don't know if I'll ever know the truth, but um, the fight had broken was, you know, verbal words were spoken. Um, and then they got into a physical altercation and punches were thrown. And then Justin um, had him up against a wall, which was told to me by the police reports. And Justin had no weapons, guns or knives or anything, but the gentleman he was arguing with and fighting with had a gun. And Justin knew he had a gun. I'm assuming Justin knew he had a gun. And he pulled the gun, put it to Justin's chest, and shot and killed him. So it was unbelievable when the coroner told me this. And I was saying, no, no, you know, that that can't be. Justin tried to reach me that night before when we were going to the, I was heading to the movies, and I thought to myself, oh, he'll call back. He wants money or something like that. So I was like, he just tried calling me last night. And um, just then, it was that second that your life just immediately changes. Everything that's before that event is different than everything after that event. And so when when I told him, I was like, you know, where's the at? What can I do? How can I fix this? Right. As a mom, how can I fix this? What can I, you know, do? And, and he said, well, there's an investigation because of the, it it was, you know, basically he was indicted. He was taken for murder, um, arrested for murder. The roommate. Um, Yeah. And, um, so he was arrested for murder and then he, um, literally was at the morgue and I couldn't get to him. So at that point, I just wanted to get home, to home. And the he that was at the morgue, now we're talking about Justin, right? Yes. Okay. So okay. my son, yeah. Right. Yeah. So my son was at the morgue and I couldn't get to him. I had to make funeral arrangements before I could even see him. Really? So. Why, why was that? Why? They did not allow me to go to the morgue because of the investigation. They basically said I needed to set up arrangements to have him sent to a funeral home and then once he arrives at the funeral home then I can go in and see him because of the investigation I'm assuming interesting and how how long did they hold him then oh it was only a day like it was only maybe a day or two um but then when I arrived home you know the two-hour drive was I don't even remember the two-hour drive I remember being on the phone and telling the story um, several people that called, but once I arrived at home, I, um, I called many funeral homes and was, you know, as, as a mother, you don't really, this, you know, people don't talk about funeral arrangements. They don't talk about, and, and I never had anybody close to me pass away. So I was like, how do I handle this? What do I do? Who do I call? Right. And it ended up, I called several of them and it was very cold. It was like, you need to have $10,000 before we'll go and pick him up, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, where am I going to get $10,000 from? You know, I don't have that on hand, right? Right. Um, you know, and of course I had insurance. I, I've always known from a long time ago to always carry insurance. But um, I just wanted to see him and I wanted to talk to him and I wanted to 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 make it right and Finally, I found a funeral home that said, you know, we'll fix it. We'll figure it out. We'll get you where you need to be. We'll go get them. 
and we'll bring him to you. And it, and I think it took a day or so before I was even allowed to even go to the funeral home and to see him. Well, you'd think that they'd be more compassionate in a service where they're helping people deal with grief. I'm, I'm so sorry that added insult to injury. It was, it was probably the, one of the hardest things to try to, um, you know, ask for help. I'm not a very good at asking for help, but then on top of that, I felt like it was like, well, if you don't have this or if you don't have that, we can't help you. And I'm sure it's their everyday kind of life, and that's what they deal with. I'm absolutely for sure, you know, that they had their ways. But the worst thing, the greatest thing out of the worst was this funeral home that I dealt with was very accommodating, very welcoming, very amazing. Um, They went and they got Justin. They called me when he arrived. Um, They allowed me to come in, and and, um, during the planning stage, you know, you have all of your family there. I had all my family there. And they were very accommodating. Uh, once the planning was over, they asked me if I wanted to see Justin. And, of course, I said, yes, absolutely. And they walked me into this private area. That was almost like a viewing. And I remember standing at the end of the room, and I was by myself. I wanted to go in by myself. And I remember looking down and just seeing my son laying there on this hospital bed, right? completely naked he had a blanket over him um and it just was like overwhelming like breathtaking and I remember walking up to him just tears flowing and crying and thinking you know this is not happening this is not you know um this is not right. This is not the way that life's supposed to be, right? We were good people. We were nice people. Why did God take you from me? And and um, why didn't he intervene? And why didn't he stop this? And and a million things run through your mind. And, and then I remember the other family members coming in and his grandmother screaming at the top of her lungs. Mm. Like when you're a mother, I think you hold everything in for everybody else and you try to take care of that group. And I think I, as soon as I got mine out of the way, it was like, okay, now I needed to focus on everybody else. And I just remember her screaming and it was just, and everybody touching him and I didn't want everybody touching him. It was like, it was, it was odd to me. And it was like, I just didn't want people touching him. And it was just, it was the worst experience in the whole world to see your son laying there when you knew there was nothing you could do to fix it. And when I left that funeral home that day, I knew some way, somehow I was going to honor him and live for both of us. And I didn't know how that was going to happen. I didn't know how I was going to even think about that, but I knew if he couldn't live, that I was going to live for us both. Wow, that is amazing. And did that decision help carry you through as you worked through the rest of the funeral arrangements and dealing you know, with your grief? Yeah, actually, um, it was overwhelming. The funeral in itself was very overwhelming. You know, you have, um, it was very long and very, uh, three hours of, of everybody saying they were sorry and the hugs and, and all that. And all you want to do is run away. Right. Mm-hmm. And, 
once the funeral was over, everybody was amazing. We did a toy drive instead of in lieu of flowers, and the funeral home even took care of that. They took it to a uh, orphanage down in Cincinnati, so I was just they were just amazing with the whole service. And because I knew that I wanted to do something that Justin, he was big into Christmas and this was around Thanksgiving. And so we did a toy drive, which was something I was so grateful for. And then after um, it was Thanksgiving, we just, I I don't even remember getting out of bed. Um, And then it was the holidays and just I, I tell everybody, those three months after Justin passed, we had Thanksgiving, we had Christmas, and then we had his birthday. His birthday was February 5th. Sort of like a melting candle wax kind of thing. Like, I was there, but everything just sort of melted together. And I remember going to my work, luckily enough, offered me free counseling, which was amazing. Um, and they set me up with this lady and she was just incredible. She was an incredible lady. And she made me feel, you know, you have all those what ifs, like what if I would have answered that phone that night, I would have gotten to say I love you. Or what if I would have forced him to live with me in Columbus instead of hanging back with his friends or what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. And she told me, she was like, you know, Hope, everybody has free will. And no matter what decisions you would have made, he would have made counter decisions and everybody does their, there are always decisions to your decisions. So you could do what ifs all day long, but that's not going to change anything. And so during the counseling session, she had talked me into going to a grief group and um, it was a Christian base. And I never grew up in the church. Like we believed in God, but we never went to church. We didn't, I I was very uneducated. And I was like, I told her, I said, I'm very nervous about this. I don't know much about God. Then I got to tell everybody my son's died. You know, how am I going to do this? And um, I know that churches, people are forgiving, supposedly, but I just didn't know how to go about it, right? Right. So I remember sitting in the counseling sessions and uh, pouring my heart out, and they were amazing. There was four or five of us, and they taught me a lot about God, and they taught me that, um, you know, being angry at God is normal and God would expect you to be angry. Um, and I remember leaving one night from the grief group and it was, it was amazing group. It was amazing group. It was very Christian based. Um, and it was like the old workbooks of, uh, like Zig Ziglar is how I like back in the day, like those. Um, so I just really enjoyed being around people that understood what I was going through. And there was people there that had lost their husbands and their sisters and their mom. And um, I remember driving home and in my car and I just said, you know what, God, I don't know what you want from me. If you took away my son, then what do you want from me? Right? I know I need to honor my son. I need to do something for him, but I don't know what you want from me. And I, as plain as you and I are talking, Literally, I don't know if it was on the radio or if it was in my head or what, but I heard the word be kind. That's what I heard. And I thought to myself, what does that mean? Be kind. I'm kind. I'm nice. You know, and I thought, okay, I can be kind. Is that what you want me to? Okay, I'll be kind. And so that point on, I, I, tried to volunteer, you know, I, I went to homeless, the homeless foundation in Columbus and, 
Um, I try to pay people compliments. I try to be nice. Um, I remember paying it forward. You know, it was big back then. You get in the drive-thru, you pay for the people behind you. And as I'm paying, I, I was at Tim Hortons, a local coffee place, and I said, you know, I want to pay for the guy behind me. And uh, they were like, okay, it's, you know, minimal. So I pay it, and I look up, and the cashier's name was Justin. Oh. And I, I'm i crying. I'm like, oh, my gosh, if God wants me to pay it for it, he better make me rich because I can't afford to do this, right? And right. Um, so I'm crying. This woman, or this guy's probably like, get out of here, lady. Um, but then in there, I knew that there was something to the be kind. I didn't know what it was or what I needed to do, but I knew I needed to pay it forward. And so I kept with that notion about paying it forward, being kind. And I thought, okay, I'll write a book. I'll, I'll tell my story. I'll be a speaker. I'll blog. I'll, you know, I'll create, you know, I'll go to these grief groups and tell my story, these, you know, grief, Christian-based grief groups. And then it hit me, um, you know, I always really try to be nice and kind and, and listen and tell stories and tell my, you know, Justin's stories. And then last year when COVID hit, Everybody was, it was death, right? Everything. You turned on the TV, they were counting death on TV. And they were saying that people were in hospitals and their loved ones couldn't be there. And I was like, gosh, how can I make this better? Can I make this better? And when I did that, I thought about it. And I think God gave me this purpose and gave me the words. And Grief to Hope was born last June. I'm so glad, and I'm super excited to talk about that. But first, I, I just noticed you wanted to make it better, and at the beginning, you wanted to make it better. And this is what, as, as moms and as women, we want to make things better. And what making things better looks like might be a little different than what we have in mind at first. For example, you can't solve COVID, and you can't undo everything but there is something that you can do and you are doing the thing that you can do. And so I think we need to be a little bit more gentle to ourselves. And your little message from God is, what can I do in your thinking? I got to do something huge. I got to do something great and grand because this is my son and I love him and I want to honor him. And having an answer of be kind seems almost anticlimactic. Like, no, 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 he's bigger than that. He's more important than that. And I think the answers are a little bit simpler than we try to make them. They, they aren't that we have to change the whole world. It's that we have to change maybe one life. Or, yeah. And that one life might even be ourselves. And after we do that, we never know what influence that will do. So thank you for your wisdom. That's just a, a beautiful little nugget. You're amazing. Well, let's talk about this grief to hope. And I know you have an acronym of grief that you work through. Do you want to kind of explain what that is? Absolutely. And thank you for that. I think that's the, the one of the biggest takeaways is being kind um, is really simple to do. And at the time, maybe that's God knew that's all I could handle was just to be kind at that time. And so I really feel like he's like, just one step, Hope. Just take that one step, but keep moving forward. And that's the way that I feel about Grief to Hope, which is, um, it's a seven-week program that I uh, created. 
Um, and it's basically seven weeks that we meet and it's virtually, it's done by Zoom. And it came about with COVID because I was like, if I could Zoom, anybody could Zoom. And it's from the comfort of your home, which I love, right? So I knew grief, it could take every ounce of strength in you to get out of bed, let alone get dressed, get ready, go to a church, be part of a group. And so I thought if I could come with something virtual, they could come in their PJs. They don't have to turn the camera on. They can sit in their PJs and talk and, and provide any kind of support. We can provide any kind of support. They could tell their story. But it's seven weeks. And the first week uh, we meet, we meet for one hour each week. And it's just an introduction. It's just like I, I just did for you here. I tell my story. I tell the reason behind Grief to Hope. Um, I also allow them to introduce themselves if they want to. Nobody is required to speak in these support groups. It's, it's as, you know, if you have something to share and you want to share, that's awesome. I do let them know that every story matters. Every grief matters. It doesn't matter if it's your mother, your daughter, your sister, your grandma that lived an amazing life, or if it's a miscarriage. It doesn't matter. We have no levels of, of you know, grief. Um, there's different types of grief, like with traumatic grief and, and health grief and, um, but there's never, nobody's grief is less than anyone else's. Um, even though mine may have been traumatic and you think that, oh, this is just, you know, my mom, she lived a great life. That's still a grief. It's still just as important to you as, as my son is to me. And so we don't, we make sure we don't have any judgment and we respect each other's opinions. And then um, after those introductions, then we talk about the next two to three, two to six week is just the main topic is grief. We spell out the word grief. And the first week is gift of time. So G for gift of time. And we talk about how time can hamper. And uh, sometimes, you know, people expect you to be done with grief in six months, you know, and like you should be normal in six months. Why are you still upset? And sometimes it takes people you know, years to even get back to any kind of normalcy, not that they ever get back to the same person they were, because I tell everybody that version is, is like, I have hope version one, and now I'm hope version two. And that hope version two is way better than hope version one, because she's got some really great things. Like, she doesn't take anything for granted. And she's, she's grateful for everything. Whereas the hope, you know, would have not answered the phone call, but now the hope answers the phone calls. Um, you know, hope goes hog wild at Disney with the grandkids versus <laughs> let's do it next year. You know, um, however, that, you know, that was that was a lot. But anyway, <laughs> um, but it's now hope, you know, hope's always been um, positive and uplifting and um, in sunshine and roses. But, it, you know, I tell everybody I didn't want to lose that part of me. I lost Justin and I didn't want to lose hope, literally. So I sort of went off track there. So with gift of time, <laughs> uh, uh, gift of time is just like how time fits into grief. And then we do receive help. And that's how do you ask for help? How do you receive help? How do you, you know, reach out to people once they return back to their normal lives? And then I is inspire, which connecting inspiration with grief is sort of the odd, but that's what gets you out of bed inspire something that inspires you whether it's your kids your family your career your grief to hope your book your whatever um that inspires you to keep moving forward so inspiration is a big part of it 
And then we do expectations. Um, and it, expectations is basically like, what do we expect? Um, you get those awkward questions, you know, when people ask, how many kids you have? And I would say, oh my gosh, at first I was like, okay, should I say two? Should I say one? Should I say two? And one's not here. What should I say? And it would take me 20 minutes. And they're like, listen, lady, I just wanted to find out how many kids you have. I didn't need all that. But it's like how to handle those expectations of those, you know, people being very innocently asking. Um, But then also the expectations that they have, you know, that you should be over and done with grief. And sometimes that happens. And then feel everything is a main topic, and that is one of my uh, it's one of my favorites to tribute. So we have people bring in pictures and and tell stories about their loved ones because we all like to talk about our loved ones, believe it or not. And um, they show goofy you know goofy pictures or say goofy stories or what we miss the most or what we love the most. And then to hope is our final one. And it's basically, what's the next step for you? What do you want to do? Um, you know, it could be as simple as, I, I just really want to go through his things, you know, or I want to go to the grave and actually get out of the car, or I want to, I, I want to write him a letter, or I want to tell him how I feel, or I want to listen to a song. It's just very, whatever works for you. Whatever is your next step, whatever inspires you to keep moving forward. And that's what we want. And so after all those main topics, within the session, we have subtopics. We go on to different kinds of uh, who knows where it leads to. It's open discussion. And then I end with a quote. And then once that seven weeks is over, we take a couple weeks break and then we start a new program. And you can take it as many times as you want, as often as you want. You can come on the first and the third or the fifth. It doesn't even matter. It's just completely open. That is brilliant. I love (laughs) the organization. And I love that you give a little bit of time for each one. That it's not trying to give a whole ball of information all at once, but to break it down into little bite-sized chunks so that you can move forward. And all the information sounds like exactly what you'd need to be able to move forward. I had someone talk about um, some people try to cope with their grief or cope with their problems and other people try to overcome and to kind of kick the problem to the curb where it's, no, I'm not just going to endure this. I am going to do the hope 2.0. I'm going to, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to, but I love the idea that you're give yourself permission to have time for that to take place. Like, oh, and don't, you know, grief is, I tell people, anybody that's going through grief is a warrior. They're absolute warrior. They're the strongest people on earth because they are the mothers that get up and pack lunches and make Christmas and do, you know, wrap gifts and do all that kind of thing um, when they're grieving or, or spouse, you know, that's got to now take on that extra chore. Um, They're warriors. They're the strongest and bravest and most courageous people you'll ever meet. And and they absolutely need to be recognized and be proud of themselves for what they're doing. That is fantastic. And I'm glad that you're doing that. Thank you for reaching out and helping to make the world a better place by helping the people who are on that path behind you and beside you who need that lift and that moving forward. I love your program. Time, some people say time heals all wounds, and and it doesn't. Anybody who's ever had a wound knows that that's not true. Time can bury wounds, 
but we have to go through that process, that grieving process, that um, being able to remember and recognize and talk about and, and think some new things and learn some new ways of doing it. So what you, what you have is you've created a, a beautiful gift. Well, thank you. I hope so. And I, and I hope that it's, you know, I really feel deep in my heart that it's, it's just being with people that understand what you're going through. And having that opportunity to share your story and not know who that story will touch. Um, you know, we have people that have gone through suicide and that, that connection between those two people with the suicide can help because that's another level to grief that, you know, I don't know that much about and that story helps. So every, every story, every person counts and every grief is, is different but we get through it together. We do that journey together. Thank you. And thank you for visiting with me today. I have really appreciated hearing your story and hearing your, um, your insight. Thank you so much for having me. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by author Joseph Campbell. He said, find a place inside where there's joy and the joy will burn out the pain. Today, I invite you to carve out a space for joy to help burn out the pain of whatever trials you may be going through. See you next time on Linda's Corner.